bitches bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Bailey. And I'm Erica. And guys, it's been a, it's been a couple weeks. We had a little break. Yeah, it was Labor Day. It was also Bailey's birthday. Woo woo! Happy belated. Thanks. I'm 32. Oh my god, you're yeah. like so young. Um, yeah. So what did you do for your birthday? <laughs> Remember when Erica was like, she promises parties but never delivers? Yeah. yeah. I planned like three things in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> None of them came to fruition. I'm still waiting for the 30th birthday party. That's okay? true. Okay. Yeah, you canceled that two years in a row. I know. I know. I I'm like, I will, I will, I will celebrate 30 again with you. <laughs> I have an autoimmune disorder. 30 forever. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't do anything. Um, yesterday, I binge watched this show. Okay, you know how I'm obsessed with the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders yeah, trials yes, show. Yeah. So Hamilton, Ontario has their very own version. No. Yes. Are they the Thai kitties or something? Um, <laughs> it's not even at the CFL level. <laughs> no. This is just pro cheerleading. Uh, and Wait, I'm sorry. Pro cheerleading? Where pro, <laughs> pro they are cheerleaders the, they that are, aren't? They're the international best, you guys. They're the, what? They're what? the 2014 and 2015 world champions. Of from, cheerleading. From sharks, Hamilton. The Great White Sharks. The Great White Sharks. And they have a Netflix show, and it's called Cheer Squad, and everyone should watch it. Oh. <laughs> you all should see the looks on our faces right now. We're like... Well, they will. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, introduce our new apparatus. We're filming this. So yeah. Oh, my God, it's so awkward because I make weird faces all the time. I didn't even realize we were filming. Anyway, <laughs> Cheer Squad, highly recommend it. Watched all the episodes on Netflix yesterday. How many are there and how Ten. long are they? Ten, and they're 45 minutes long each. Was this a CBC show or is it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ian Bailey was, was very productive. Yeah, it was. No, it was on Spark, ABC Spark, and also the Hamilton like CH CH before it right. went under or whatever. Wow. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to, Erica? Um. Well, let me just say. Okay, so Thursday, the NFL started. Oh, it yes. did, and the Patriots lost. Like, got smoked. Uh, <laughs> it was awesome. My Tom boyfriend's Brady. a big Patriots fan, so. What? Were you like, ha, ha? Well, uh, by the time the game was over, I would left at, like, halftime, because I had to get up early on Friday, but. Uh, oh, you're like Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I, uh... Did he leave early? He left the Super Bowl early and then opened up the, like, new season, and Twitter was like, what the hell? <laughs> did he have to go back to Wahlbergers? <laughs> like i have somewhere to be that isn't that isn't the super bowl i mean i don't blame him the super bowl was real bad yeah it was boring anyway uh, so, so the, yeah so yeah I so um <laughs> i got at one time the patriots were winning so i got bored Half and time. um yeah and uh so i looked up fenty beauty launch oh yeah because mm. if anybody doesn't know um rihanna has a new beauty line out it's mm -hmm. called fenty beauty it just dropped at Sephora all over Canada. 
and yesterday America. and America, of course, mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, that's oh yeah, that's Friday, September eighth. Yeah, would be. Um, so yeah, I went to Sephora the next day at like nine forty-five. They opened at nine thirty, and I was like. I'm here for this. Yeah. I have never been so excited about a beauty launch. <laughs> I'm excited that they did it at the Sephora in oh Ottawa. Like, okay. I didn't okay. know okay. that they were going to do that. So let me tell you about this line. 40 plus foundation shades. Wow. The woman made a shade for albino. I saw that. That's amazing. Okay. Who does that? Who? No, literally. Nobody, no. right? Nobody. So I'm looking at all these shades. I'm getting like teary-eyed almost because I'm like, you know what? When I was doing makeup, when I was on the come up, when I was growing up, I had to fend for myself. Yeah. Besides like, I mean, and I came up a little bit before Mac got huge. Yeah. yeah. So I had to use like Revlon's Blackberry lipstick, you know? That's, that's all I had. What could I have? Yeah. I don't know. But now, I'm like, damn, it's the only time I ever wanted to be 20 again. The <laughs> only time. Because I don't want to do that again. Being 20 is awful. It sucks it, ass. Yeah. Anyway, so I so then um, I hung out with um, my favorite um, makeup Sephora artist. makeup artist, mm-hmm. um, Andre Baudin, I believe, or Baudouin. Sorry, Andre. Anyway, her name's Dre. She's at Sephora Rideau. Uh, at in Ottawa and me and her we put together a a video it's about 30 minutes it's kind of long it's on my Facebook page no it's on my company's Facebook page we also shared it to the bad and bitchy yes yeah yes oh yes I forgot about that so um check it out it's us talking about the line and how just how inclusive it is where it came from and just us going through some of the products, she did a Fenty face on me. Amazing. So she did like a full face on me. And we talk about the products. We talk about what they do. We talk about what, you know, the purpose is. So check it out. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. it was really cool. I watched it while you were live streaming it. Yeah. yeah. Very you know exciting. that live stream took me from 80% to 40% battery? It's like, damn. I mean, it was 30, 30 minutes. minutes. <laughs> uh, so. Erin, what have you been up to? Um, so I was in New York for Labor Day. Ooh. Um, it was lots of fun. We went to a Red Sox-Yankees game. Nice. Oh, um, like- your love of baseball touches my heart. It does. <laughs> Both of you at your baseball games. That's what I see in like your Instagram stories. I'm like, sports. I'm like they're doing sports, sports again. Stars. We're sportsing real hard. Um, yeah, we had lots of really great food. We went to Babo for dinner. Ooh. Yep. Yeah, it was, was it amazing? It was so good. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, I guess Mario Batali like knows what he's doing. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I felt like I felt like he just became like this weird level of celebrity chef where I was like, ugh. I feel like the American Iron Chef kind of like became a weird vortex of like of really good chefs seeming really bad. Yeah, just being like really cheesy. Yeah, yeah. Is but it yeah. more dude bro cheesy? Just like no, cheese. just cheesy. Just like Rachel Ray cheesy. Mm. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it was great. So I've been to a couple other of his restaurants. So definitely go check out any of the Mario Batali things. Actually, he owns Italy also. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well. Shall we? Yeah. Yes, we shall. All right. So kicking off this week in feminism, 
is our lovely friend Betsy DeVos and Title IX. Um, so we've talked about this topic before. Um, Title IX is how a lot of schools in the U.S. address sexual violence on campuses. Um, but this week, uh, DeVos announced that they, her department, the Department of Education, will be revamping the Obama-era directive that was issued in 2011 um, that was heralded by victims' rights advocates for providing a roadmap for how schools should handle sexual, sexual assault investigations and hearings. But the directive uh, increasingly became controversial as defenders of accused students argued that it insulted or resulted in unjust findings without due process. Um, the 2011 guidance will be replaced, um, and in the interim, the Department of Education will make it clear to schools how they should fulfill their obligations under Title IX, but no path forward has been presented, mm. which is weird. We're going to take away this policy and not give you a replacement one. <clears throat> cool. Great way to make law. Um, so the department um, further said that there will be a notice of proposed rulemaking public com and public comment. Um, DeVos also said that the change will be better for both sides, which seems to be a common phrase used by this administration. Both, Every both side. sides. Both sides. Everyone's both sides. Everyone's great. Everyone's the same. Um, <laughs> and then she said that, quote, there is no way to avoid the devastating reality of camp campus sexual misconduct. Lives have been lost. Lives of victims and the lives of the accused. One mother told me each time she opens the door to his bedroom, she doesn't know whether or not she'll find him alive or dead. No mother, no parent, no student should be living that reality. Uh, what, what, I mean, the parent of a victim, a survivor, yeah. is more likely, I assume, to possibly worry about their child and wonder if they... Yeah. And, and that was the mother of the accused, right? Yeah. Saying like, like he's so just like racked with guilt. I, I assume or like not, for, not, like, not guilt. actually. No, 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 no. I don't think it's with guilt, but like the fact that he was falsely accused or whatever. So the mothers and their sons. Oh my gosh, you just took that out of my head <laughs> because that's the same thing. I was, I was like, oh god, mothers and their sons. Oh. Like, I, like, really, like, he can do no wrong. And if he did, some other woman came in and, you know, messed with his mind or, I don't know, like, sexualized, sexualized him into nothingness, you know. So basically at this point, this the Department of Education is writing policy based on rape myths that women lie to ruin men's lives. Yeah. So this is this is now the basis of policy. Yeah, it's also great. a great timing because it's the beginning of a new school year. Yep. Uh, frosh weeks, tailgating football, football games. Yep. So, you know, rushing sororities and fraternities. Yep. Real great timing here, Betsy. It's just, I, I don't know, I, this is bizarre. The, the thing is, like, I, people are so hung up on the notion that young men's lives are going to be ruined. So, like... The message isn't don't talk about sexual assault. The message should be so don't sexually assault people, and then your life won't be ruined by an accusation of sexual assault. Like, yeah. if you just didn't do the bad thing, 
There's How, like a, there's just a lot of scapegoating yeah. in 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 today's vernacular. Like any time any sort of um, marginalized group, and white women are marginalized compared yeah. to white men. Yeah, Let's, sure. You know, yeah, women yeah. are marginalized as a whole compared to men as a whole. Mm-hmm. So um, anytime uh, we say, hey, you know, we'd actually like some equality and we'd like to fight for some equality and we'd actually li- like, actually we're fighting for equity, let's be honest, mm-hmm. um, or equity, um, all of a sudden the people who already held the privileged position are being attacked and therefore being oppressed. Ain't nobody oppressing any white guy. Nobody's oppressing you. I'm sorry, but you're not. You're not being oppressed because you don't know what it is. Okay, let's start with that. Well, and she met with men's rights groups. She met with men's rights groups. And those men's rights groups, I'm sure, said, we are being oppressed. Okay, so in other words... unfair. Yeah. So so let's put this into perspective. So she met with a bunch of bro flakes who um, <laughs> who now have been legitimized as something, by yeah, the way, because, because they've they been met by the policy. government. Yep. Yeah. They influence pol- yeah. men's rights activists are influencing policy. Men's rights activists who turn into tiki torch burning exactly. assholes exactly. who run over the same women. Those kinds of men's rights activists, because men's rights activism leads to terrorism. I don't care what you're saying, yep. okay? At yeah, me. I think I think we need to like like I've seen a lot of um, continuums of violence and how like you know sexist jokes like it's on the continuum of violence that mm-hmm. takes us to places like femicide and sexual violence. Like I do, I would love to see a continuum graphic of like. MRAs and white supremacy. Like I, I think that is on the continuum. Like, oh, absolutely. Like we need a graphic. Somebody make For me sure. fucking shareable. But isn't but <laughs> but but wasn't Content. like a lot of the a lot of those guys who ended up in that Unite the Right Charlottesville massacre, mm-hmm. I will call it, mm-hmm. um, were men's rights activists. Yeah, they started on YouTube. And, and they yeah. started on YouTube. We talked about this actually in the last episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this idea that men's rights activists are influencing policies should scare some people. But thankfully, later on, we'll talk about this in a grander concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Title IX is specifically about the equity of gender on campus right like it was because i think it was originally about sports i have a definition it's it's two different parts there's a number of different components to title nine yeah okay and then one of them is sports one one of them is sexual violence yeah uh no person in the united states shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in be denied the benefits of or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving financial assistance, which is what you were saying. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like the fact that this is now being used to um, just circumvent. I also want to put this in terms of the destruction of the Obama Mm-hmm. Um, coalition mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the destruction of Obama's policies and his legacy. Yeah. Yep. It is deliberate. Make no mistake about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. I've been saying yeah. this for the past like year. Yeah, yeah. just anything yeah. Obama built, they're going to tear it. Down. They're going to tear it down. Their ideology. Well, I, I'm not going to say necessarily the same for Betsy DeVos because I don't know, but definitely Donald Trump's entire ideology is anti-Obama. Mm-hmm. It's not conservative. It's not de- like 
progressive. Yeah. It's just anti-Obama, which is racist. Yeah. It's anti-black, really. Sure. Yeah. It is. It yeah, is. Yeah, he's a placeholder yeah, for race. Yeah, he totally yeah. is. Yeah. He is. His legacy is that he's the first black president. And to erase the, his actual political legacy, his policies, is to erase his memory yes. from the U.S. as a, as though it's a tarnish on the history of um, of American presidents. White mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. So the question well, is. Sorry, Bailey. <laughs> no, that's you something. No. Okay. Um, We're so polite. <laughs> We're so Canadian. I know. <laughs> um, so now that it's the beginning of the school year and men, white men, I guess all men. It, broadly speaking, because hashtag, hashtag not, not all, all men. men. <laughs> um, by the time these men are becoming university students, yeah, have they? What is what is being done downstream in the system to teach them about consent? Like, Apparently, nothing. Because yeah. didn't you see that thing on Queen's University? Um, d- daughter drop the off. The daughter drop off. The daughter drop off Which... in front of this house, and it was just we were all a frat like, house. "It's yeah. a frat house," and you know, like drop your daughter off here or whatever. And you're just like, "That is disgusting." Yep. On yeah. so many levels, well, it made my skin crawl. But and that's actually like sort of tepid compared to some of I the, can only ima- the things of the past, right? Yes. Like, I mean, that's. Uh, on the grand scheme of things of like in terms of what I've seen in the past I think I I don't maybe we're coming a long way I don't know no we're not (laughs) no we're not we're just becoming more subtle about it yeah um but yeah I think like yeah I think by the time it gets to the university or college level like it's too too late late. yeah it's too late like so there's been a lot of talk about binge drinking in the media this week like I've heard a Mm -hmm. lot of and like Oh, the hand-in-hand conversation of sexual assault and binge drinking, like, they're there. And you have to be so careful not to blame young women for drinking like dudes and then getting sexually assaulted because that is what a lot of the rhetoric yeah. is. So I think that, like, by the time you get to the university and college level, the, the atmosphere of, like, party, animal house, like, this is what we do. It's, like, it adds fuel to the fire. But for sure this is happening in high schools. And I think, like, talk about consent talking about consent and talking to young men and young women and children of all genders about consent needs to happen in like grade like kindergarten like even just like if you that, don't want to do like if they don't want to touch you then you don't have to be touched okay well, so that's sorry go ahead. no go ahead you go well, it's interesting that you bring that up because i a friend of mine with his kids realized that like oh like consent starts as children mm-hmm. and so he'd be like oh like sweetie come give me a hug like and she'd be like no i don't want to give you a hug right now he have he had to teach himself to be like right it's her body it's her space and mm-hmm. I, if she doesn't want to i'm not going to make her yeah so i think that's a really good that's interesting yeah but it just goes it just underscores the point that it starts in the home mm-hmm. yep and there's only so much school can do if you're not teaching your kids how, about consent then there's only so much the rest of us can do. Because, yeah. sorry, we we date your sons. Yeah. They suck. Yeah. yeah. So you did something wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's also important, to, like, if you're, particularly if you're acting with, interacting with a child and about the whole consent thing, that you're not, you don't go like, oh, I'm so sad that you're not giving me a hug because yeah. then you're guilting them. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah, you're yeah, coercing yeah. them into yeah. doing something that they don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
That's so true. And like, I am guilty of that. I like to just grab people's children and pick them up <laughs> and hold them. But it's like, like as a baby, it's different. But like once yeah. they can make their own decisions. They, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And it is about like teaching kids that because like, a lot of a lot of the like pushback when you're doing consent workshops with young people is like, it sounds so awkward to always ask, like, can I put my hand up your shirt? Can I do this? Can I do that? But, like, if we were just always all asking about every kind of touch, then it wouldn't yeah. feel awkward. It would, and you know. And you have to ask, like, can I put my, he's like, is this okay? Is fine? And, like, Yeah, just, in like, passing. checking in. It's like a, yeah. And it's just, like, you can slide that in, no problem. Yeah. yeah. I think checking in more is important on an ongoing basis more than like asking every time yeah being awkward yeah so like so in other words I guess what I'm saying is like the balance between being able to touch you Bailey as I'm doing now it would be like previously we have we we're friends right and you know and I would be like and every so often for me to probably check in and just say is that cool yeah you know Right. Yeah, because like as a person who like who like because you don't I like don't, to be touched. <laughs> I don't like. It's not like dislike being touched. <laughs> it's just sometimes it's like. Ugh. It's true because I don't really touch you as much as I would touch Bailey because I know that you're not. That's just not your vibe. Yeah, yeah and like with some people I am, but I know like there I have I know people who are less into touching than I am. So mm-hmm. like, we like tend to make a big deal. Like if I'm going home to visit friends in Vancouver. And I come back, like, if I see, like, those friends who don't really like touching, I, we get, I get a hug. But I'm like, oh, my God, I get a hug. Like, it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I'm not going to be like, oh, okay, so, mm. like, let's talk. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I'm really touchy-feely. Yeah. So I'm like, so I, I constantly, I read people yeah. non-verbally and their reaction to me. And if they yeah. don't like it, then I'll step back. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I, like, like, you know. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> we don't know how to interact with people respectfully anymore. Yeah, really, that's where we're at. Well, okay, and then yeah, it just comes down to like just reading other people. Like even yeah. people who I've had like like an ongoing sexual relationship with for a long time. Sometimes like while we're having sex, we'll still check in because like it's true. You know, like they're yeah. just some. If I just all of a sudden am like a bit quiet or like. You know, if they feel like my body is different, then they're like, are you good? Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Maybe, I, maybe you're really a little gassy. That. Yeah, like, yeah. And sometimes I just don't want to have sex anymore. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I think I'm done. Yeah, you're like, this has <laughs> been going on long yeah. enough. Are you close? Because, like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to just stop now. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's, I really enjoy having sex with people who, like, continue to check in. So there you go, man. There's a lesson of the day. It's actually, you're a better, sexier, hotter lover if you just check in. Actually, it is pretty hot. It is hot. It is hot. It gets me hot. Yeah, It does. When it's like, are you okay? You're you're good. You're good? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I am good. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, like, yeah. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, exactly. kind of feeling a little Just not... (laughs) Not but just nap. <laughs> just need a snooze. <laughs> Wait, wake me up in like twenty minutes. <laughs> Not in you the know. middle. <laughs> no. Oh my god! No. This went. This went <laughs> such a different direction. Everyone's like Billy. Like, <laughs> I'm like a ninety year old person. I'm like I need a told snooze. You. In the I told of the you. <laughs> okay. Oh god. Let's uh, move on. Let's, let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about uh, Jagmeet Singh. Singh. 
Right. So, uh, Canada right now, uh, the federal New Democrat Party is in the middle of a leadership race, and the vote is happening in the, the coming weeks, I think end of october perhaps something really close yeah. i feel like it's close to my birthday which is november 1st <laughs> at her send her thanks. are you gonna throw a party can we just have a joint party can i just tag we should, on we, you oh, should, should have a like joint the middle party. of our birthday so yeah well yeah yeah, yeah. or we could have oh a... yeah because yours is in january yeah. so i feel like we could have like a collective we should just have like a collective december birthday we should have a <laughs> bad we'll and bitchy party Jesus. yes 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 uh, we will share because that's uh, yes. um, okay. okay. Anyway, yeah. so Jagmeet Singh uh, is an Ontario Provincial MP Member of Parliament and is one of the leadership candidates uh, for the NDP and is Sikh. He wears a turban regularly. Which white people think means... Muslim. Muslim. White people think brown means bad. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They don't, I don't even know if they even Hashtag not all white people, okay? okay. <laughs> um, so at a recent town hall slash meet and greet event in Brampton, Ontario, a woman showed up to demand that a Sikh politician stop wanting to implement Sharia law. She didn't know he was Sikh though, did she? Well, everyone can see that he's Sikh. Because he, he wears, wears a, a turban. turban. <laughs> But Again, she didn't know he was Sikh. Sh- yeah, Sharia law is Muslim. <laughs> she probably didn't. I don't think she. I mean, did you see the woman was wearing a studded belt, like one of those belts that you got in grade nine from like yeah. the like yeah. skate shop? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. No. So I feel like she doesn't know what. Sharia did you see her hair? The, the, did you see like she didn't even condition before she came out? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, what are you doing? So so, yeah. so basically, she went on a racist tirade, um, disrupting the whole event. It was caught on video. And Singh, who was in the middle of giving a speech, kept his cool and continued speaking. Um, so he said, quote, what is this? We don't want to be intimidated by hate. We don't want hatred to ruin a positive event. So let's show people how we treat people with love. We welcome you. We support you. And we love you. Mm-hmm. So I have some thoughts. <laughs> so I, Shocking. I, I, I talked about this yesterday on CFRA with Mark, or Mark Tui, who is Rob Ford's former chief of staff. And he said, you know, all the things that everyone's been saying about how great um, Jagmeet Singh handled it and, like, he kept his cool and everyone's, like... There were a lot like, of tweets about that. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about how Jagmeet Singh behaved. And I'm kind Which of like... Which was, yeah, sure, great. Yeah. He had, he, sure, if we want yeah. to talk from, like, an objective perspective, he was very professional. Yeah. But my thing is, like, but this woman was, like, I saw the video after I heard the recording, and she's, like, in his up face. in his face, like, in his grill. She was like, very much the like, aggressor in this situation. Aggressive. And he kept trying to, like, avoid her on this stage. Yeah, and then finally, like, another man kind of has to step in, and, like, I, th- I mean... I don't I don't think it matters how Jagmeet Singh handled it. Like I think we should be talking about like do we need to think about better setups for these town halls so that people can't like like if if it had been a, like a man doing this to Nikki Ashton and been all up in her grill like that, like I think I think people would have been like that's really dangerous. Like I don't know that we would be having the conversation about how Nikki Ashton handled it. 
And if it were a black woman, we would be talking about the angry black woman. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. because she's pointing, she, her, her arms are flailing. She's, she's stalking him around yeah. the stage. Yeah. And I'm like, where the hell is security? Well, exactly. Desmond Cole shows up at a public meeting and gets escorted out by police yeah. and almost gets arrested for interrupting yeah. a public meeting. Yeah. Okay. This woman is there and she's there for five minutes. I'm like, where the hell is security? Well, and she clearly came with the objective of doing this. Yeah. Well, she said I, I she, she's harassing him because yeah. she said she said um, that she'd been calling his office or, or trying to contact him. So why are we not one why are we not talking about the harassment mm-hmm. yeah we're talking about and again we're talking about how jagmeet singh handled himself and we're giving him praise and do you think that he got good at handling himself because he handles this a lot yeah maybe that's why and exactly. maybe that's the issue yep yeah maybe and i'm sorry i saw the um I saw the video. I honestly thought he was trolling her. <laughs> I, I did. I was like, he's like, it was kind of like, yes, little girl. You need Pats love. her on the head. And pats her on the head. And nobody picked up on that. Yeah. I, I thought that was funny. I was like, he, they didn't even see the little nuance. Nobody. Not yeah. Vice. Not any of the media outlets. Nobody. And I just, this this whole thing where we're policing people of color's reaction and behavior to racism is is troubling. Yeah, yeah. because Vice tweeted out uh, a story related to this with the video saying, this is how you handle a racist, ty- yeah. a racist yeah, tirade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, that's not how you handle it. Like, that's yeah. how Don't- it was handled. Yeah, yeah this is one way that people can deal with it. Well, and that's like... As a as a man who's trying to run in a political race, and I think we talked about this last week with the respectability politics thing. Yes. Like, you know, he's put in this position where I'm sure he would have liked to be like, shut up and sit down. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But he's put himself in a position where he is to be chosen by the, you know, the group of people or whatever, the, the I don't know, the majority. So, like, he has, he had to handle it in a way that was still going to keep him in a chance of getting elected <clears throat> like look at yeah. Colin Kaepernick kneels during a national anthem and he can't even get signed to an NFL team like calling out racism that happens to you is not okay if you want the majority to vote for you exactly you because know? the majority are so in their feelings about their own complicitness when it comes complicity when it comes yeah. to racism that is what holds them back from tr- uh, transcending Okay, they need. I'm sorry, white people need to transcend their race. (laughs) That's what it comes down. White people, why don't you just pull up your bootstraps? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Get over it. Because this is the other thing. (laughs) When people, when people, um, I think, uh, and Jamila Lemieux, who is a great, um, she's a writer, Mm -hmm. and she said, pro tip. Don't tell us people of color to deal with a racist heckler. You can say, here is how one person chose to do that. And as usual, on command, somebody, a white guy, comes in and says, well, it's great that he didn't handle it with violence. You don't, 
You don't fight hate with violence. You know what? No, but he can shut the fuck up. He can tell her she's a fucking idiot. He's not Muslim. But this is the thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is the thing. It's this idea that if something turns violent, the onus is on you, person of color, to diffuse Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. And again, it's white people not taking responsibility for their own actions. Well, and it's like if I'm sick of it. He had to handle it this way because if he had told her that she was a fucking idiot, one, to Bailey's point, he it would alienate some of his base, possibly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the way he's done it is really kind of a positive news story for him. Yeah. Um, but then if he tells her that she's a fucking idiot, then the conversation becomes, oh, well, Jagmeet Singh fucking attacks white woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, she becomes the victim. Yeah. People of color in Jagmeet Singh's position are savvy as fuck fuck they're the savviest people that you're ever gonna meet you know Mm -hmm. why because as i was saying i caught that i swear to god he was trolling her watch the video and i swear to god he was trolling her he was like patting on her on the head and actually like mocking her yeah and i picked up on that because i'm like that's basically like probably how i would have handled it and i would have been like maybe been like oh that's nice. Oh, it's nice that you read policy. Okay. <laughs> we just need love. Why don't you go and love somebody? You know what I mean? I would have been like that because it's just so mentally stupid. But the point is, is that everybody now has turned it into a positive news story for him, mm-hmm. but has turned it into how Chad Me Singh has risen above the dirtiness of racism. <laughs> right and so now so now good on him too he's just turned he's that like situation yes rising, rising from the ashes, from the ashes and so now like you said Aaron, he is now mr like i don't know mr respectability yeah yeah he now, has earned respectability good for you man that's savvy as fuck mark tui from the Ford administration yesterday, he did say, he was like, I have no evidence of this whatsoever, but the cynic politic, cynical political person inside of me says that they planted that person in the audience to get the good news story. And I was like, that seems pretty extreme. Because also, she's like in his grill. I don't think, if you planted somebody, maybe they would be like, what are you going to yeah. do about Sharia law? They're not going to yeah. like get up. Like, no, that was real you. white hatred and yeah but, like the republicans said that all throughout all the town halls about obamacare people mm. who were defending obamacare so mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a, i know everybody everybody's planted except they, for their people yeah that's you what can't it is. have a like an opinion against the contrary unless it's planted and sorry really you're getting lectured by rob ford's (laughs) political chief of staff or whatever really really buddy why is he even invited to speak i don't even know know. (laughs) he called me nuts though on the radio and i was oh my god are you serious yeah and i was like well i'm gonna count that he called you nuts yeah because i said stick to your knitting was a sexist phrase and he said that is sexist nuts if you think that and i was like okay <laughs> and then I said, why don't why can't you just say stick to your lane? And then he's like, oh, well, then you're making fun of bad drivers. And I was like, well, now you're making light of actual sexism. So no, yeah. that's not you're not making fun of bad drivers. Some sometimes you just drift into the other lane. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and like the point is, 
even if you don't sometimes drift, it the, you have to stay in your lane. Yeah. Anyway, he was a dick. I wish he would stay in his <laughs> and just stop commenting. On, yeah. And the next time, or what, like I love to say this, what, I can't comment on racism? No. Yeah, no, you just, can't. Just, just don't. Not unless you listen. Listen and vibe. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, we're good. This is a great segue. Great segue. Great segue. So the next um, article that we want to talk about today was sent in to us by a listener. So thank you for sending Thank you, in. listener. Yeah, like everybody, send in your listener requests and we will talk about them. As long um, as they don't suck. If they suck, well, yeah, we're not going to okay, do it. Yeah. yeah. And also like send good things. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so he sent us this uh, op-ed in, from the Sunday from the New York Times, and it was basically written by a cis white man who was brought up in definitely like upper income level of privilege, and he sort of opens the article with this, and then he says that he is gay, and that uh, he sort of came out in this. 70s era gay when then there was the AIDS epidemic and it was like a lot of a lot of um sort of dark things around being gay at that time so uh I think basically what the op-ed was getting at and and what the question is I think is pretty interesting to talk about because we've also had I've had some male listeners of this podcast bring this sort of same issue to me so like there are white cis men out there who want to do well like they want to do good they want to be allies they, they want to be allies yeah but then especially if they're like a good ally they're so aware of their privilege that they don't know how to like like they get stagnated in their own they get stuck they just don't know how to per- move forward yeah exactly so like you know the question that's posed by one of the articles that he quotes in the in the article is can people occupying different rungs of privilege or victimization possibly grasp life elsewhere on the ladder so like then you get into the question of oppression olympics so like who's more oppressed like as a white woman i'm definitely less oppressed than a black a, woman than a black woman um but as you know able-bodied women we're much more privileged than a, a disabled person like so anyway so you know and as an educated black woman i have a certain level of privilege too because i can exist and move and operate within certain certain spaces and certain white spaces yeah exactly so i recognize that i've privilege too yeah okay. exactly and so then, and there's a class privilege well oh, and yeah so and that's that's also sort of addressed in the in the in the article because he's like talking about racism and all these and power being expressive racism so he reads this quote from uh thomas chatterson williams the author of the memoir losing my cool so it says my black father born in 1937 in segregated texas is exponentially more worldly man than my maternal white protestant grandfather whose racism always struck me as a more of a sad function of his provincialism or powerlessness than anything else I don't mean to excuse excuse the corrosive effects of his view. I simply wish to note that when I compare these two men, I do not recognize my father as the victim. So, like, I think it's really important, too, that when we think about power and oppression, it's not always that it's, you know, super wealthy white people in true positions of quote-unquote power, like the president, but that even people who are growing up in, like, rural I don't know, low income, you know, hard, hard to manage 
situations, if they're white, just have a, a more privileged setting than it, like, you know, like I think like Eminem, I feel like talks about this, like he grew up poor in Detroit. So he's like, you know, why can't I use the expressions of hip hop for the same way? And I think Eminem does a better job of like recognizing the origins of hip hop than like Iggy Azalea, for example. But <laughs> anyway, so I think the question is like, how do well-meaning white men and white people more broadly do the work recognizing their own oppression but or sorry their own privilege but then also like not getting stagnated by it they listen first Mm -hmm. that's rule number one Mm -hmm. i cannot tell you you know why we bring up look you're privileged look you're white explaining to me look you're doing this that and the other is because in general white males don't listen Mm-hmm. They are they get in their feelings and they tell you why you're wrong about your experience and that's when people of color that's when we get our backs up. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if you go into a space, when I go into a space and this is why traveling is excellent and it's an excellent education. Mm-hmm. You're in another country, you're not in your space. Mm-hmm. You are in somebody else's space. It doesn't matter if everybody else looks like you. The yeah. point of the matter is, is that you are not in a space where you are a member of that space, right? Right. Okay. So what do you do? Do you go in there guns blazing? Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> no. There's a reason that when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the num- And the thing about it is, is that, um, which is why I got all up on that North, that American North Korean story. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you don't go into another country and steal a flag. Like, and much less, <laughs> yeah, much less North Korea, you dumbass. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you go into a space, white people black people, cis people, yeah. um, um, thin um, people, thin people, spaces where historically um, your sort of representation of that has been elevated over others, mm-hmm. then you need to fucking be humble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You shut, like, be humble. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's exactly what I was channeling. Thank you, girl. Kendrick Lamar told us. Ted Kendrick told us. Now, when you enter a space like th- in with that attitude, anybody who attacks you needs their head examined, really. Mm-hmm. If you come in wanting to learn and yep. asking real questions. With respect. With respect. I don't see why I should have to explain this to people, to be honest, because this should just be social interaction 101, but whatever. Yeah. You know, um, that is number one. So if you want people of color or, or gender uh, or trans people or whatever space you occupy, that is the space of privilege, mm-hmm. class, anything, you go in there, be number one, being humble and listening. That's how you start out. Yeah. And there's no reason like you can't have a respectable conversation or disagreement with people. And I've mm-hmm. had them. Mm-hmm. And you can totally do it. It's just you can't be, go in aggressive. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And you can't go in like a know-it-all. Yeah. You know, like I think that that's what happens a lot with like, for example, the Take Back the Night March in Ottawa. We ask men or male allies to march like at the back. And it's be- and like because they have a tendency to come in and then tell us how to do stuff like we don't know. Yeah. And it, it's, know? I think I think you hit on something very important is that we have to ask you to step back and like make room and, and mm-hmm. make room explicitly because you don't know how to do it yeah. without us telling you how to do it. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's a very important point. That is why you have places that are like, no, 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 no men, women only. Yeah. Is because men will come in, use their position of privilege and browbeat you. Yeah. And if we want a space where we can be safe, we need to ensure that that does not happen. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, I don't think men come in just to take over on purpose. Like, I think they're just used to being in a role where they are the ones that are taking over, you know? Yeah. So it's like... Yeah like just just they're the aggressor yeah and they bring that yeah yeah and like sometimes we want to talk about things for more than just two minutes and and that's okay and really like you can recognize privilege but and i think bailey to go back to your original question is like how do you get past the stagnation of recognizing privilege is just coming from a place of willingness and a place to like learn and be humble but also like just ask questions I don't know what I'm going with yeah yeah and I think also just like I had a thought and it like escaped me as soon as I started talking yeah I feel I feel you though and like just like just like if you're if you're given a space to speak and you're a white dude and then you're like hey I know another woman yeah yeah so it's more just like when you want to get into those conversations recognizing the privilege cool that's fine but like don't necessarily address it the only thing you have to remember is to be respectful and listen yeah you don't have to worry about the other things those you know but like you don't have to be so aware and Mm -hmm. let's let's paralyze yourself let's also underline the fact that privilege is relative except white privilege (laughs) male privilege cis privilege Mm -hmm. and class privilege Mm -hmm. etc etc those are absolute and because our countries built our our respective countries canada and the u.s and most of the modern world to be honest are based on it Mm -hmm. you know and there is not one area of this world that is not affected by white supremacy or disaffected by white supremacy yeah so after that though it is relative. So a white woman in a white male space does not have privilege. A white woman, for the most part, un- unless she brings in, unless you're like Sheryl Sandberg, right? Mm-hmm. But, but it all depends on which space you're in. If Sheryl Sandberg is in a space with four- Fortune 500 male leaders, she's with her peers, right? but still may not have the same privilege. Mm-hmm. Sheryl Sandberg <clears throat> talking to Black Girls Code is the privilege. Yeah. yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's all relative. So yeah. people have to be aware of the spaces they occupy. Actually, some self-awareness really is key. Yeah. Well, and nothing drives me crazier than, like, a white dude getting up and being like, I'm recognizing my privilege, but then still taking the space. Like, it's like... Then don't. 
when like if like there's probably a woman of color or like a woman or a disabled person or whatever who could actually speak to the same thing you're speaking of and isn't given the same spaces mm-hmm. all the time you know like i like like jesse brown on canada land it's a good example of like he was like well we tried to find female sports writers to participate in our panel because this week they had an all-male panel of sports writers and it was like then fucking just wait then wait another week or like keep trying or like you know like why why does it have to be all like just then like i don't know what are you gonna say I was going to say that sometimes, like, we try to get Sarah Boseld on. Yeah. And she wasn't yeah, allowed yeah. to. Yeah. So sometimes totally. it's, like, one, there's not enough female, yes. like, sports writers yeah. there in aren't Canada. Yeah. Anywhere. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But he is doing specifically in a yeah, Canadian yeah. context. Right, 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 right. Um, to the content of the panel, I don't know that it wouldn't have I don't know that it would have made much difference because they were talking about the state of sports journalism in Canada, not so like how it's changing and how how it's covered. Well, then mm-hmm. a gendered lens would have sure. been... Sure, it would have helped, but like, I don't, it wasn't It like, would have added another dynamic. Sure, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also like, I, what I found in listening to it was it was for dudes and it was like, oh. I recognized Jesse's voice. There was a black guy and then two <laughs> white guys who sounded the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they usually do. So, <laughs> so, like, sounded like a sports panel. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I just, my thing is, like, just if you, like, if you have the privilege, then, and you can give it to someone else, then you should. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, can we take a quick break for a second? Yeah. Sure. Guys, Margaret Wente has, an op- uh, has a column out. <sighs> I saw that. Why? Why did you do that? Oh, my God. So apparently she argues from a tweet that uh, we invented structural and systemic racism because everyday racism was declining. What? Okay, first of all, the article's called The Good News (sighs) About Racism. Like, of all, like, silver linings. (laughs) You know what has a silver lining? racism does it i don't know so uh i don't know if we want we want to go into this or if we want to go into uh sure let's go into this. yeah let's do yeah. it fuck it like it's <laughs> hold on do we want to take a break and quick read uh i guess we should eh? okay i'll throw it in the dock all okay. right all right we'll do this instead of the trans model perfect all right, so kind of staying in the same vein, we have a hot up the presses Margaret Wenty column called <laughs> The Good News About Racism, which is like dun dun dun. The dumbest name I've ever heard. It's a real bad title. Um and basically she's arguing that we invented structural and systemic racism because everyday racism was in decline. So, like, we meaning, like, Society. The, the oppressed, we needed we needed to feel oppressed, so we were like, hey, here's a new kind of oppression that we could make up. Yeah. Her, her we does not include people of color having a voice. Right. Right? This is a conversation that's happening amongst white people, without us, for us. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
so so what is her what is her what are her thoughts she's saying oh you know you know overt racism basically doesn't exist anymore and <laughs> if it does it's illegal and i would just like to point her back to jagmeet singh yeah i'd because... like her to point her back to me yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah. then we talked about last week or in our last episode did that... you go to the police erica and say this is illegal this kind of overt racism is illegal policeman really in hintonburg that killed the <laughs> black man i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> i probably would be in a hospital right now i don't know what the Ottawa yeah. police are all about. Oh, right, but that doesn't happen. Okay, next. But so she writes that judging by the news, racism is still one of the defining features of our society. But how prevalent is discrimination really? Side note, those are two different things. Racism is not discrimination. It's part of discrimination. But how prevalent is it really? So then she cites a study that is about discrimination. Yeah. Um, Done by the public library, library of science. Of science. Public Library of Science. That basically found that um, a majority of respondents, even blacks, reported experiencing little to no discrimination in their lifetimes. I'd like to note that that was a direct quote from the article. A majority of the respondents, even blacks, (laughs) reported experiencing little to no discrimination in their lifetimes. Um, And then she says that among black Americans, 31% of the sent said that they had experienced discrimination sometimes or often. The highest percentage of all groups, uh, which is not surprising, but not as high as you may expect. Um, And that compares with 27% of Hispanics and 27% of American Indians, 23% of whites and 18% of Asians. So let's talk about the data, shall we? Yeah. Can we break to talk about this data? Yes. Okay. So they use the National Longitudinal Study of Adolescent to Adult It's a longitudinal study of a nationally representative sample of adolescents in grades 7 to 12 in the United States during the 1994-95 school year. And what happens in longitudinal surveys is that they follow the same cohort over time. Right. So they followed this cohort until they were 24 to 32 years old. (laughs) That's the dumbest like this is used to explain discrimination or racism and to, and to debunk the racism myth okay i wish you could see my face right now i know <laughs> i know i know it's uh, basically it's awful um they basically ask the respondents um so do you feel like you're not treated respectfully by other people from day to day and I'm just like, what does that have to do with racism? What does that have to do with discrimination? That's about respect. And also, we're talking about a very specific age group of people. Like, that's a pretty, like, like I, I mean, I, I would hope that racism um, is less overt amongst younger people. Like, I yes. mean, the, the civil rights movement did happen. Um, so we're talking to some pretty young people here who have grown up in a much more, like, quote unquote integrated society not any less racist but but not only that they haven't really they haven't really gotten deep into their career or their jobs yet and that's where you start seeing the more institutional racism and sexism Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there's another thing yeah like how many of them have gone to try to get a mortgage or to exactly or try to start a business and get financing exactly exactly Mm -hmm. So I, I looked up a, a Pew study 
you know, Pew is like fairly reputable. Yeah. Um, about race and inequality. Um, and from about June 2016. And they found that about half of blacks say that they've been treated like they were suspicious or not smart, which is racism. Yes. Yeah. Or discrimination, for that matter. 20% more than the, the article, this PLOS. Yeah. The yeah. other thing, too, is that, and, and I find it interesting that she cherry-picked this research, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. because Toronto just wrapped up the Black Experience Project. Yeah. Why which, she... why didn't she quote that? Yeah. With and that's black people in Canada, yeah, specifically in yeah. the GTA in Toronto where she is, yeah. So why is she cherry picking research, quote unquote, that a has no relation to her Canadian subjects, yeah, have no relation to it has no relation to racism, yeah, it has no relation to um, anybody who would who would experience a history of institutional racism because they're just too young Mm -hmm. so why are we why why is the globe and mail trading in racism to make profit that's what i want to erica for this tirade right now (laughs) i really do the globe and mail is trading in the pain of people of color and asking you to pay for it because as i read as i recall didn't they just let go of at least one esteemed two. columnist. Well, esteemed. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Yeah. Two columnists, at least one esteemed. Yes. For this trash, why does Margaret Wente have a job? Yeah. I mean, this is, this, is, this is how racism is perpetuated. And the Globe and Mail is behaving in a white supremacist way by perverting the, the actual data and facts of racism to sell more papers through their agent margaret wente yeah well and i think you're right like, and I everybody's think, cool with it yeah and there's a lot of there's like probably a lot of white uh this is white unquote, supremacy well yeah this is but I, i'm thinking that there's like a lot of white progressives quote unquote they'd call themselves progressives they consider themselves progressives who are going to read this article and agree and say well, yes, I mean, racism still exists, but it is declining. Look Jonathan at Kay, for yeah, example, exactly. because didn't he just post some, didn't he just write something in the Ottawa Citizen basically saying that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, it, was, it was so boring that I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure, so, sure, like, I will go out on a limb and agree that perhaps overt racism is in decline, mm-hmm. which not in is my not... world it's not, but sure, hey, sure. I, I'll give you that. Let yeah. me play devil's advocate on that. Okay. Yeah. Like, we know that it exists. We saw Charlottesville and mm-hmm. all these things. Mm-hmm. We know mm-hmm. it's there, but like, not, oh, there's not the overt, like, very, I think there are a decline in instances where people are just randomly attacking people on the street. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it, there isn't, like, small instances those little knife pokes those Mm -hmm, fork pokes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of coded language which we wrote about in july in the ottawa citizen you're using words like urban where you're saying things like oh typical asian driver yeah like such a bad driver yeah or you know things like that you know ryan goes like like, where are you from 
Yeah, those, it's so all, those microaggressions are yeah. what racism is now. Yeah. I was just, I, was it last week? Yes, a week ago yesterday at a comedy show mm. in Ottawa, in good old Hindenburg, which, you know, is full of upscale liberal white people. Mm-hmm. I was, um, there was a comic on there who basically used his comedy show to attack black women in the most racist and repugnant way possible. Hmm. Um, And I've never experienced that. And I don't know how to explain what it's like being attacked for your race, which white people say they are, but they're not because they don't know what it's like. Um, Attacked for your race in public where the person has the power because they have that mic and can say anything and you're just supposed to sit there and accept it and and i just people laugh and listen to people laugh around you awful now i gotta say everybody was stunned but i'm the only one who said anything Of of course because liberal white people don't like to get their hands dirty yeah and it's the same thing martin luther king said it's the same thing we talked about when we talked about Charlottesville is that like white people can just kind of glide by and be like, oh, racism's bad, but then not do the work to, exactly. to dismantle the system. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And if they're not doing the work, then they're passive. They're complicit. Yes, yeah. they're complicit. Well, that's what I, st- I told his friends. And he's like, one of his friends is like, oh, I see you were offended. I was like, that's not me being offended. That's Everyone's racism. Fucking and yeah, why aren't you fucking offended? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, actually, coming to think of it, let me go on this rant, okay? <laughs> because the amount of complicity that I saw that night, granted, there were two people that were outside the next pub, like mm-hmm. the bar bartender came out and actually defended me Mm. and was like and was like you're a racist she's right you're racist the people yeah the bartender and there was a woman too like a white woman Mm -hmm. they're both white Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and they came out um because we got me and that comedian got into a verbal altercation outside and he called me violent Oh, well, what? of course he did, because you're an angry black woman. Because I'm an angry black woman. So I can't even begin to unpack. And you know what? Every Complicity. Complicity elsewhere. Complicity everywhere. And when I'm like, when I'm like, why aren't you saying anything? And they're like, ugh. Yeah. They, can t- they can sit there and talk about jizzing in fucking whatever, in whatever bed they're in, but yeah. they can't fucking turn down a racist and just say you're fucking racist, dude? Yeah. Really? Yeah. No. No. And let me tell you something. If you sit there, I just want to say this now. If you sit there and you hear racism around you and you say nothing, you are fucking complicit, complicit, which means you're an agent of white supremacy. Yep. There, I yeah. said it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Just like right now with this article, the Globe and Mail is an agent of white supremacy. Everybody in the management team that approved this is an agent of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Margaret Wente mm-hmm. is an agent mm-hmm. of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So when we say 
white people are racist, what we're saying is white people act as agents of white supremacy to further white supremacy, and they do so by either being full-out racist or by being silent about that racism. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> I think we glad we uh, glad we uh, sorted that all out. <laughs> um, okay, time for. I honestly, you know, coming to this is okay. I'm going to cut this, yeah. but I just in general, I really wonder about being a person of color at the Globe and Mail. Oh my God! Yeah, I don't know how. What's her face? They, I don't. I don't know how they yeah. do Bal- it. Balthazar, Balthazar. Yeah. Balthazar. Yeah. I don't. I'm just like. That the fact that Margaret Wente is still writing columns and being paid and doing all that by the Globe and Mail, if I were a person of color, that would be I'd be fucking pissed. That would be oppressive to me. Totally. Totally it's oppressive. It's not a safe place. No. It's not, not a safe all. place. Not at all. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I just lost it on the Globe and Mail. <laughs> do you want to introduce Venture with you? Yeah. Oh, I can I, do it. we're okay. still thinking. All right, so on our next segment, Rent and Receipts, this is where we each bring a story to share with the others. Um, we can either highlight, just like highlight a story and talk about it, or we can just go on a fucking rant, which I'm sure Erica's going to do. I'm going to take a break, though, and let somebody else go first, because I just can't today, apparently. You go first. Erica. Cool. So I'm going to go first. Um, so last week, Labor Day weekend, uh, Katie Holmes was partnered, wa- partnered, caught walking hand in hand with her beau Jamie Fox. So oh, they're finally out. They're, they're finally, finally out. out. They've been dating for like three years. Yeah, three years, like three a years? long yeah. time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What? Yeah, definitely. But the question is, why all of a sudden are they being photographed together after having denied the relationship, hiding mm. it, having? Uh, a friend of theirs mentioned them in a statement to the media one da- one time, and they had to retract it. Hmm. So apparently, Katie Holmes was so eager to get out of her marriage with Tom Cruise that she just signed the divorce papers. Because if you remember, like their divorce was finalized super quick. Yeah, it was. We thought it was going to drag out, and it was going to be amazing to follow, and it was just like wrapped up super quick. Right. Well, she just signed those papers. Apparently, the rumor is, is that Tom Cruise wanted to not be embarrassed by the divorce, which included, co- <laughs> which included uh, clauses about her not being caught in public with a man until after five years following the divorce. Really? Yeah. It's unconfirmed, but I just want to highlight Tom Cruise's fucking insecurity with not with being embarrassed by someone who, uh, uh, like, what a fucking pig. I, I'll, yeah. I'll take that from you, girl, and just say it's small dick behavior. Well, he's like five foot three. Exactly. Okay. Have you guys ever noticed that he has, like, a middle tooth? Like, literally. No. Look at a picture of him smiling. His teeth are, like, over one. And so he has, like, a middle tooth. No. I'm going to find a picture for you right now. Um, anyway, like, he's so insecure 
and just like embarrassed about his divorce. I'm sorry, you've embarrassed yourself throughout that whole relationship. We all think you're crazy. Like yeah. nobody and cares. She also, she also couldn't t- can't talk about Scientology, which is fine. We've got Leah Remini for that. Yeah, we do. We do. Okay, here's a picture of his like middle tooth. I can't see. Oh, see how it's like in the middle. Oh, oh. oh he just has, like had like a. His, like, oh. a tooth were extracted and it just shifted his teeth over. Yeah, but yeah. didn't he get the whole grill redone? Oh, he had, yeah, he yeah. had pieces. Yeah, dude, you, you did you see pre-Tom Cruise? Oh, Pre- oh, there's a story, there's a story called Tom Cruise's Weird Middle Tooth. <laughs> <laughs> Halle Berry's Extra Toe. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know. I don't, Harry Styles has a third nipple, too. Oh, my God. There's a lot going on. Take me too deep. I can't. I can't. Uh, Anyway, I so he's weird. He's a weirdo. The fact that he just tried to like control her even after their marriage. He's controlling though. He's so controlling. He is so controlling. Remember when he dated Penelope Cruz? Yes. Yes. Yes, He. I don't know. Vanilla Sky. Yeah. When that came out. He. I feel he gets women out of his league. I, I wasn't. Yeah. I don't know that Katie Holmes said this, but uh, yeah. sure. Sure. Um, yeah. I did like that movie, though, that he's in A Few Good Men with Demi Moore. That was a really good movie. It was. Yeah. Like, he, oh, he, no, he, he makes used, good... Well, he used, he used to, to make, make good, good movies. movies. <laughs> Tom Cruise hasn't realized that nobody gives a fuck okay, about him. Nobody, in North America. In North... Ooh. Oh. Is, he, is he hot somewhere else? He is so popular over in Asia... Really? It's unreal. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I know. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's interesting. That's interesting. I guess they, they do. They, I feel he like. He does a lot of press over there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he oh, does that's do why a we lot don't of press see over there. Over yeah. Here. Yes. Yes, oh. yes. 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 Also, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a, he, he likes to get an action film. Yeah. Could you imagine being married to someone getting divorced and them saying you can't be caught in public with the with a partner for up to five. Why did like, she agree to that? Like, why think, did her... Honestly, I think it was, like, lawyer. cutting her losses. Like, it's more she just an just in... Like, whatever. Yeah. Well, didn't it, she have to run away from him, yeah. basically? Yeah. And her, she and cut like, and run super quick. She, she cut and run, and then she was in hiding. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's not forget that. To me, that's an abused woman totally. on some level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so his controlling nature... Is, has probably gotten to abuse at some level. Yeah. yeah. And if not, psychological warfare. Yep. He looks like a dude who would level some psychological warfare on your yeah. ass. Like, I it wouldn't be... Scientologist, of course. Yeah. And you're just like, but but the sky is blue. No! It's not! You know what I mean? It's vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> well played Uh, see I thought maybe they were just starting to come out as like a statement about race in America like as an interracial couple like maybe they were just like ready to just like (laughs) like Kim and Kanye was sort of all we had we're we're now in a post-racial society (laughs) where no one sees color and it's safe for them (laughs) no it's because apparently there's there the moratorium has been lifted wow okay well good for Katie Good for Katie. Good Does, for little Joey Potter. What's happening with Suri? <laughs> I don't, no one's seen know. Suri in years. Yeah, yeah she's like been sent away or something. something. I don't I don't Does she live with her father? Didn't he go for full custody? 
No. Yeah, but he didn't get it, did he? No, he didn't get it. And then he was like bad headlines, negative headlines for him about how he hasn't seen her in years, which oh, I don't right, think right, is right, true. Right, right. But anyway. Poor old Suri. She'll come out with a modeling career in a few years, I'm sure. Will yeah. She? Have you seen Kaya Gerber? Uh, she just started like, oh, um, what's her name? Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford's daughter. Oh, yes. I oh, my God. She's her. gorgeous. I know. I'm just like. Uh, her mother Cindy Crawford. Look, yeah. look. Pretty people can make ugly babies. <laughs> Leah. Leah. Oh, Leah. Le- what's her name? You know, Lena Dunham. She always says how her parents are like good looking and she's like the ugly child. <laughs> and I'm like, I believe you. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm horrible today. Poor Leanne. I think I'm going to uh, Lena. Okay. Great. Bailey, do you want to go? Yes. Uh, so I am looking at a Broadly article that, uh, quote, that quotes that over half of men are uncomfortable talking about their partner's vaginas. And I just, you know, I'm going to build on the, va- the vajazzling and the vagina dust. <laughs> you, love, you love a vagina topic. I love a good vagina topic because I feel like we don't talk about vaginas enough. And I can see how the study is true. And actually, a friend of mine once told me, uh, about an unfortunate tampon situation and she had to ask her her like partner to go down there and help her sort it out and I was like oh my god and I th- I couldn't believe it that like I was like it's your vagina there was period situation like I was shocked and she was like well like why wouldn't he like he's down there like it's, what's wrong and I was like wow okay so anyway I I am guilty of this too like I feel like men well, I just feel like society in general doesn't talk about vaginas enough. So that's part of why I'm I'm here for the vagina. But I, I don't know. I think I feel like men wouldn't know what to say about vaginas. Sort of where I'm at. Like, like what? what I like, don't know what we want them to say about vaginas. That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like that's what? True. I, I kind of. You know what? In a way, I'm glad they don't talk about vaginas because then they'll try to take over that, too. <laughs> Um, yeah. Did Only... you see that there's like a, there's a, like a line of jewelry that, uh, <laughs> of is shaped is. after vaginas and vulvas. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. I kind of, I am a big fan of Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah. For her blooming vagina. Yeah. I, I'm like, it does look wonderful. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. So to me, a vagina is gorgeous. Yeah. My vagina is gorgeous. Not other women's in a sexual way. Yeah. Because I'm straight. Well, but anyway. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, like, you know, only one in five men feels confident enough to mention a change in their partner's vagina. And more than oh, half of them aren't uh, comfortable discussing gynecological health at all. Which is interesting. They're, sorry, they're not, sorry, what was that? They're, more than half are uncomfortable discussing gynecological health at all. Oh. Like, just know nothing there. And yeah. only one in five would feel comfortable to be like, I've noticed a change in your discharge, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I do agree, Eric. I'm not sure what we want them to say. <laughs> I'm not sure. And I'm not sure I want my partner to say things. Like, I notice a change <laughs> in the odor of your discharge. Yeah, that would stress me. I out. would be like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would, would definitely stress me out. But they also don't know, like, they don't know the difference between the vulva and the vagina, which makes me think, I'm pretty sure a lot of men don't know 
what the clitoris is like or where it is or what like or might what have a sense like? of it yeah like I think yeah I think it would do us some good to get men to talk about vaginas even a little bit more for just sexual satisfaction purposes mm. Mm. Yeah. interesting mm-hmm. yeah yeah and just like that like it it can have its own normal smell and taste such as not passion dust it doesn't have glitter it doesn't taste like well coconut. I just wonder like if you're a guy who's dating, like, all of, they all smell and taste different. Yeah. So, like, how is he supposed to provide any sort of feedback? Yeah. I, like, I presume this is only from, like, a relationship, long-term hookup situation. Yeah. 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 I mean, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't want it to be, like, the first time someone's like, <laughs> have you noticed your, actually, that does make me think. I was oh, God, reading... you have a story. <laughs> Uh, is it somebody else's story? Uh, Rude Jude on Shade 45. Do you ever listen? No. Okay. no. So he has a book out called Hyena. And it's basically about him, like, just talking about his sex and drugs lifestyle. And in one of them, he said he was, he was like, going down on a woman and, and was, like, fingering her or whatever. And he said he could tell that something was not right. And then finally he was like... I think you have a yeast infection. Like, <laughs> something is, it's very off down there. And then she was like, oh, okay, thanks. He said, he said it was like cookie dough. So, oh, yeah. 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 That's oh. fair. So, cookie so dough. you know, he, I, I guess he is not one of the men out there who said, wow, he's uncomfortable talking about vaginal health. <laughs> wow. So, anyway, so that's, that's my thing. I'm just saying, let's talk about vaginas more. I feel like, don't, and to men, don't be uncomfortable to talk about it. You can say vagina. You can say it. You yeah. can look at it. You can appreciate it. You can appreciate it, you know? You don't have to be. Approved. You don't have to be nervous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Bailey and I have covered a couple of fun topics. I think Erica's got something else up her sleeve. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I have okay so I was kind of struggling with uh, my rent and receipts this week and then I remembered I posted something and this is called it's from the Atlantic it's called the first white president the foundation of Donald Trump's presidency is the negation of Barack Obama's legacy by Ta-Nehisi Coates I think I got that right I'm really proud of myself right now. I really struggle with his name. I know. So basically, Tanahisi Coates. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> is the foremost intellectual on race in America and is a national correspondent for the Atlantic. I encourage anybody um, to, I will spell out his name because I encourage everybody, everybody. If you want to learn about race, especially vis-a-vis black people or America or America's thoughts on race um, that really do blend into Canada, I suggest that you read everything he writes. Um, One of the best things, I'll give you a couple. So he's written on the myth of um, black criminality 
which gives us a background into why, for example, police are so aggressive um, with black men. Um, there's historical reasons for that, and there's structural reasons for that. He also wrote um, the case for reparations. It's an excellent piece. It's these basically anything he writes, I devour. And um, anyway, <clears throat> so anyway, he wrote something for the Atlantic, um, and basically. Um, he says this, with one immediate exception, Trump's predecessors made their way to high office through the passive power of whiteness. That bloody heirloom, which cannot er ensure mastery of all events, but can conjure a tailwind for most of them. This is the basis for white supremacy, and that is the basis of white privilege that even though it does it is not a sufficient condition necessarily for success it definitely is a necessary one and that whites start out with a tailwind that puts them ahead of everybody else mm -hmm. yeah yeah so in going back to donald trump his political career began in advocacy of birtherism that modern recasting of the old American precept that black people are not fit to be citizens of the country they built. But long before birtherism, Trump had made his worldview clear. He fought to keep blacks out of his buildings, according to the U.S. government, called for the death penalty for the eventually exonerated mm -hmm. Central Park Five, and by the way, that whole black men raping thing is based on white woman's virtuosity. Yeah. Okay. And the protection thereof. Sorry, I didn't mean to look at you, Bailey. I just was that way. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I feel like I just... Anyway. Um, and he railed against lazy black employees. Black guys counting my money. I hate it. That was a direct quote of Donald from Donald Trump. Um, after his cabal of conspiracy theorists forced Barack Obama to present his birth certificate, a sitting president, by the way, mm -hmm. Trump demanded the president's college grades, offering $5 million in exchange for them, insisting that Obama was not intelligent enough to have gone to an Ivy League school and that his acclaimed memoir, Dreams from My Father, had been ghostwritten by a white man, Bill Ayers. It is often said that Trump has no real ideology, which is not true. His ideology is white supremacy in all its truculent and sanctimonious power. Yeah. And I think that it just encapsulates what we're facing. So when the Globe and Mail decides to act as an agent of white supremacy, this is what they're talking about. Yeah. When Betsy DeVos um, decides to allow white males who are from men's who are men's rights activists to dictate policy yeah. that's white supremacy yeah. this is what white supremacy is 
when L'Oreal, for example, can dump a transgendered model, um, a black transgendered model for calling out white supremacy, that is white supremacy. Yeah. I can't even, I don't even know, I'm trying to think of a situation that's not white supremacy and it's in non-white spaces. And even that is overtaken by whites. Try going to a hip-hop concert in the city. Yeah. We're still a minority. Yep. Yeah. Try going to anything black in the city. We're still a minority. Our spaces are still invaded. Yeah. So, I mean, he also makes a great point that the, you know, that there is um, a sexual. He calls white supremacy has always had a perverse sexual tint. And Trump inaugurated his campaign by casting himself as the defender of white maidenhood against Mexican rapists, only to be later alleged by multiple accusers and by his own proud words to be a sexual violator himself. Yeah. But that's the point of white supremacy, to ensure that that which all others achieve with maximal effort white people particularly white men achieve with minimal qualification barack obama delivered to black people the orary message ori message sorry that if they work twice as hard as white people anything is possible but trump's counter is persuasive work half as hard as black people and even more is possible and that is the system that we have yep Definitely. Yeah. There's more and that 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 piece is very, very heavy and dense. Uh, but I really, really do encourage everybody to read it because in it it is the perfect and most beautiful explanation of what white supremacy is. And what I hear in when people talk about like white supremacy and stuff, white people talk about white supremacy, it's between white people. Yeah, it's yeah. amongst white people. Yeah. Ooh, what do we do with all these these politically incorrect other white people? <laughs> and then white people are like, you're you're being racist. And you're just like, and many times I've thought, man, if that were in a black space, we would like we wouldn't even be mentioning it. We would have just gone along our way. Right. You know what I mean? White people are more offended by white people than others, than non-white people sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, again, you are doing the white supremacist thing, where is that you're having conversations about us without us. Yeah. And without us leading them. Yeah, exactly. So he also goes into disputing the idea. There's a lot about classism in here. And I've always said that um, colorblindness is liberal whites and elitist whites' way of separating themselves morally from their lower class white counterparts. But they're no better. Right. And that's my piece. <laughs> so read, read, read it. I definitely, I definitely, definitely Amazing. recommend it. All right, so finally, misogynist of the week. Earlier this week, I guess now last week, um, Mike Huckabee was on The View with his daughter, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, 
Um, I don't fucking know why. Yeah, that was so weird. Anyways. Like, so I they, presume it was Mike Huckabee they wanted to talk to, but why did the daughter go? Or did I, it, was I it, honestly don't know which way I it thought was. it was the daughter they wanted to talk to, so I was like, why did daddy come? Yeah. <laughs> you see, we don't even know what the purpose was. I don't even By know. the way, can we talk about how the view sucks ass? No, because I don't give a fuck about <laughs> the view. <laughs> <laughs> Who watches the view? I hate watching the view. I hate it. They they are too snarky with each other. Like they snipe at each other, and it drives me up the wall. I can't. I can't. Watch it either. does, and I feel like it perpetuates this idea that women can't, can't be uh, be successful and yeah. get along yeah. because they're too, they're too snipey, busy concerned about themselves and being better than everyone. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Stupid. Anyway, back so, to the view. Um, so they know. were obviously the the ladies of the view were being critical to Donald Trump. Um, particularly to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House press secretary, um, talking about how, asking her how she can defend his lies, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then afterwards, um, Mike Huckabee goes on Fox um, and is talking about his experience on The View, saying, he says, quote, I didn't go in there thinking that they were going to give me warm hugs and kisses. I've been on that show many times. But I think it's important that those of us who are conservative, that we're willing to that we're willing to go into the lion's den, that we show that we're not afraid, that we've got a position, and that we're willing to defend it. And then he goes on, and says that he called the women of the View irrational. Those old irrational women. So what specifically is irrational? Their views or what? What what was he said, irrational? He says, Not like there's any reason. I'm and then just he wondering. Says on Fox, Frank, frankly, it juxtaposes our view and spirit versus theirs, which is full of anger and irrational hatred towards the president. Irrational hatred towards. I him. think he used juxtaposes wrong. By the way, <laughs> just saying. Also, I would contrast. I, yes, I don't think anyone's saying that the view hated the president like I don't think we can use the word hatred but further to that point it's not irrational to question and dislike a president that brags about sexually assaulting women and is racist and has like empowered racist groups like I I don't think that that's an irrational hatred at all it seems quite rational no and like if you're you know from the Trump administration going on almost anywhere aside from Fox News, you should be expecting to get difficult questions. Like, I think it's an entirely valid point for them to have asked Sarah Huckabee Sanders, how come you just defend his lies? Yeah, exactly. And she's like, oh, well. What did she say? So she always looks like a deer. press secretary, it probably was her they wanted to talk to. Yeah. Why was was daddy there? It's very weird. Well, well, that just explains Mike Huckabee's approach to women. Yeah. Right? Because he needs to accompany his daughter. What, he needs to chaperone her? She's a grown-ass woman. What, yeah. she doesn't have her own thoughts? Does he have a well, pipe like... Well, I hope like... she has a thought because she's the press secretary. I hope she's not a thought. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> hilarious. Well, but yeah, again, it's just, yeah, it's just back to that age old, it's along the lines of the angry black woman stereotype. It's that women aren't allowed to be disagreeable because then if we are, then we're just irrational or hysterical or crazy. Or nuts. Nuts. Yeah, or nuts. nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am nuts. I am nuts. 
Well, we all crazy. <laughs> um, but actually, so one of the uh, the View hosts, Jedediah Bila. Who? I have no idea. She used to be on Fox News, apparently. Oh, oh right. They need a conservative because Elizabeth Hasselbank. Yes. Elizabeth Hasselbank was the worst. She was the worst. Like, um, I, I would like them. Can we talk about this from ABC's point of view? Like, the ABC part two? Like, for example, ABC puts on the show The View. And they choose women. It's like it's like they have a checkbox, a checklist. Okay, yeah. we've got the the sassy black woman, and we've got the um, conservative, the conservative, mm-hmm. and, and we've got like some, the eastern some older moderates. Yeah, got joy, you know, joy. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm just like, mm, that's not how you put a panel together. Yeah, just saying. You know, certainly not a, a no. They're working from archetypes. Panel. They're, they're yeah. working from archetypes yeah. that are dated, yeah. and that have put. I feel like those archetypes from the beginning have put the women of the view in a weird position. Yeah, in the sense that they can't be too analytical because it's like stay in your lane, you stupid bitch, yeah. or and stick to your knitting. Yeah, yeah, Ooh. stick to your knitting. What? You're nuts to think what? that's sexist, Aaron. Nuts. Nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, sorry. So, what were you gonna say about this? So, anyway, she she the next day after he made these comments and he went from the View to Fox News, um, this woman, this host who actually is conservative and used to be uh, on Fox News, um, said this whole situation, you know, that doesn't work here because she's a conservative and you don't get to come here and be on the quote unquote liberal media and say that they opposed you and say that we're irrational because we don't support Donald Trump. Yeah. Okay, that's what the former Fox News yeah. reporter... Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, and I think that Whoopi Goldberg makes a good point. She says that he would never say that about Stephen Colbert or Trevor Noah or any other yep. male hosts, right? It's only... Yep. It's because it was three or four women that it was, like, just a bunch of cra- crazy, angry women. <sighs> women are the worst. Irrational. God. So irrational. Why didn't you just ask them if they're all in their periods? Well, men don't talk about vaginas. But also, they're all <laughs> they're all like middle That's to true. senior Later citizens. On in life. Yeah, they don't have them. Right. Well, there they, you should go. have asked them if they've gone through the change. <laughs> Mike Huckabee's diet is irrational. Oh God. Oh Mike Huckabee. And Sarah, and this is the other thing. Thank you. I'm glad we're talking about Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Okay. <sighs> Oh my god, you guys are breathing so heavy. Because the prep has to come. Can you I, have to take that. Can I just say, like, she, they only post photos and screen caps of her where she looks awful. She looks like a dumbass. She looks like a horse. She's yeah. always got her mouth open god. in this weird she form. Lo- yeah, she looks. She's always like middle. She's like she's always in the middle of saying I just, something. She I just don't know how to carry her body as like someone yeah. who is in a very public role. She is she needs to work her angles a little better. Not get so much face on camera. That's true. She does need to angle a bit. She and needs so... to wear some highlighter, a little bit of contouring. And she needs to contour. Really round sheep, cheeks. And that jawline. Yeah, you I guys. You. Yo, yo. What do you want to say about her thoughts? Okay. <laughs> You're we're gonna just, get we're gonna get torn for being a feminist event. Where we we are gonna get torn. <laughs> no, but like she's in a public role. Like as for like they're an administration who is very much into the public image. You know, That's Donald true. Trump gave That's Sean true. Spicer shit 
for wearing ill-fitting suits. Not only that, but Ivanka yeah. too. Like, look at Ivanka. Well, she and the look prototype. and 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 Melania. Yeah. Those are the prototypes that they've chosen to say are feminist. By the way, right? Yeah. So yeah. they put these Kelly women Ann Conway. and Kellyanne. Oh. I don't want to talk about her. Okay, I'm so they put these. I'm worried about. I'm worried about her skin. <sighs> like, like I don't. I feel I'm like too, she's stressed she out. Yeah, yeah. She needs some time off. But the point is, is that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is rep- the face of the administration. Is the face of the administration, but she represents this type of deer in the headlights kind of woman who can who she's can precious. be coddled and controlled and she she doesn't look like she has a thought that originated from her own mind and so the idea that this is who you choose to put out this is who you choose as a woman who represents your administration tells a lot about what you think of women and that they are still subservient to you because if it's not the sex pot who wants to suck your dick it's the it's the it's the little girl deer in the headlights who needs your guidance but it's all about you and it's all about how you decide that you have power over this woman Meanwhile, you've got Hope Hicks, who's like running the whole comm shop as like yeah. interim com- uh, communications director, not being the face of the administration, but is like seemingly very competent at her job. Yeah. She right. also looks like a, a supermodel. She's a former model. Yeah. 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 She's super gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah. I just want to know what game are they playing? Because she, it's either they are putting her out to slaughter. It, in in fact, she is probably going to become, um, she's, you know, eventually, um, what's the word I'm looking at? Disposable. A, a lamb. Yeah, a she's lamb a lamb. Be, she's disposable to, to be, be slaughtered, slaughtered for sacrifice. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what she looks like out there. A sacrificial lamb. I honestly don't watch press releases or press whatever with her. The briefings. The briefings, because I'm like, oh my God, this is so difficult to watch. It actually is difficult for me to watch her because I'm just like, they're going to throw you under yeah, the bus Yeah, she has one either day. the talking points, and if she doesn't have the talking points, she says, I'll get back to you. Hmm. Well, uh, it's, uh, this is just... M- Mike Huckabee, misogynist yeah, of the week. Misogynist of the week. Could put that in a little bow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hey, surprised it clear. took us this yeah. long, to be honest. Uh, that right. about does it. You guys, follow us on, on the internets, on the social medias. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter, at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram, at Bad and Bitchy Pod, on Facebook, we're Bad and Bitchy, or it's facebook.com forward slash Bad and B Podcast, because we can't use the word bitch, which yeah. is dumb. But that's okay, because like you can have fake accounts and have Russians buying political ads. Sure. It's the same. Whatever. The same. Da, da, da. <laughs> and you can send us emails. Send us your comments, your thoughts. If you want to make a suggestion for for content, yeah, we'll probably do it. Just don't have it suck. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. That's also badandbpod, right? At gmail.com. Badandbpod at gmail.com. Forgot to give the, G- the email address. So, thanks. So, whatever. Get <laughs> at us. Anyway, subscribe. Rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Bye. Bye.